Yo, 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 what's good, everyone? This is the Korean John Daly, aka the Wash Lord, and you are listening to another brand new episode of Behind the Baller, the most unorthodox business podcast in the world. Speaking of the world, we are world famous. We are a globally ranked show with listeners in over a hundred countries. This is a 100% independent podcast. No cancel culture here can stop what the fuck I'm doing. And I'm teaching class. I'm giving free game with production by none other than the nasty duo of Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, a.k.a. the Dust Brothers, a.k.a. the Captain Picks. So, guys, are you ready for a museum quality podcast? That would be my man, Lakey Lake, in the background. When you hear that fucking jazzy-ass sound, you know what time it is. It's time to get this motherfucker started. So, Miles, Jordan, let's fucking go. It is uh, my favorite day of the week. This week went by fast, and it went by very slow at the same time. It was very painful. Had some unexpected shit. Um, I know that... Maybe five to ten people max on my close friends' stories saw what happened. Um, it's something I didn't share with super followers. It was just some whole other shit that was going on. I was very not active on Twitter. Um, but you know what? Let's. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. The week started out good. By the way, today, did I say it? It is my favorite day of the week, right? I did say that already, right? Monday, right around when the show had launched, I got us some practice in. I got some balls in. My swing is looking better. I will honestly say that this is the first time I feel okay posting a swing. When I posted before, I want you guys to see the process. I want you guys to see the chicken wing. I want you guys to see the bent or the whole shit. Now my shit is looking good. And more than that, the screenshot I posted, this ain't, I'm not being dead ass here. The screenshot I posted on Monday and the screenshot I posted on my stories on Instagram I had several pros. I had one of my boys who just got the course record at the win, shot a 58, my boy Alex Kang. Saw it and said, yo, you're in the slot, period. That is as good as it gets. I don't care if you're fucking Rory. I don't care who you are. You could be an amateur. You could be ranked 180th in the world, period. That is a, That was as good as it gets. And that was probably the best compliment I could have ever heard from anybody. And I don't know why. My coach is like, yo, man, it took a while. You're ready to go. Boom. So, you know. Just had to show you that and see where we've gone. And, you know, you're at the final, you know, stage of where your swing is going to be, where it is until you want to change certain things, which pros do. I ain't got to worry about that. But right after I finished practice, I sat down with one of the goats. Could be the future Tiger Woods. Maybe not. We'll see. But he has two majors, three championships already. Well, I'm sorry, three tournament wins uh, on the PGA Tour. He had a record almost. He almost not did like he didn't come close, but he had the second highest consecutive. Um, he made the cut thirty three times uh, consecutively. I think Tiger has fifty two or some shit. But I had lunch with Colin Morikawa, and the dude is only twenty five, twenty six, young cat, killing it. Um, went to Cal, my alma mater, for a little bit, and he's from L.A. He is a fucking incredible golfer. He is currently ranked eighth in the world. At one point, he was ranked number one. And he was ranked number one for like almost an entire year. It's crazy. So, you know, my agent reps him. He's with Excel. He's with TaylorMade. And, and we had a long talk. It was supposed to be a 45, 60-minute coffee. Turned into an over three-hour lunch. We talked about a whole bunch of shit. Um, 
he's down to help my game. I never asked him for it, but he's he's like, fuck it, want to get you there. He had put me up on a place called UGP. I think it's Urban Golf Performance. And they're like, fuck golf tech. This is like a whole different level of what they do there. And we just sat and talked shit about a bunch of things that are going on. I'm doing him a favor. I can't talk about that. Um, may talk about it in a few months. But we just, I basically broke down everything that's been going on, my experiences, whatever. He happens to be going to Japan the same time I'll be there. We're going to overlap a little bit, but he'll be there while I'm there. Maybe we catch around. I don't know. But we had a great talk. And this is literally, you know, one of the greatest golfers. And the rank, you know, in top 10 currently. He's incredible. He's actually playing the President's Cup and all that. But we just had a great-ass lunch. I was with him and his fiance and his dog. And we're chilling and just wrapping it up. But it just made the fucking day so amazing until, until I get home and um, it was just fucking weird. Kaya wasn't feeling so good, so she stayed home on Monday. She didn't go to school. So what happened was I go pick up London and Ryder from school and we're chilling. It's Monday, you know, they're whatever regular shit. Forgot what else the fuck I did that day. It was a great day. I forgot I had like a meeting. Oh yeah, I met up with a super follower and I gave him like $2,000 in clothes and it was a lot of shit. It was a happy day, full sand, fucking uh, loud mouth, golf shit, fucking um, night, just all kinds of shit, just so much shit. It was cool. He he met me up in uh, in in Hollywood, kind of like almost the cusp right there where like Universal Studios is and, uh, you know, nearby me, so... Bust a bunch of shit. It was hot as a fuck. We're, st- we're still going through this crazy heat wave. It's like 100 fucking 103 all day long. Too hot to play fucking golf. And so um, I get home, you know, we're chilling. And I got my mother-in-law. You know, Nick is in Barcelona. She just got back. And um, London starts breathing kind of funny. And he's like, you know what? Can I get my mask? And he was fine, meaning his nebulizer and his breathing treatment. So I was like, all right, cool. Give him a, a breathing treatment. Everything is all Gucci. This is probably like around 8.45 at night. I'm not even tripping. I get a call at 2.45 in the morning from my mother-in-law. And she's like, hey, London's not breathing very good. Like, you know, it helped me out. Go up there, give him another treatment. I'm checking the saturation. When I gave him one at 8.30, he was at like 96, 97. So I was like, yo, he's good. Shit, he's legit. Fuck. You know, most kids should be 99, 100, 98 at worst. You know, the average healthy human being should be between 97 and 100. And he was at like 93. So I was like, okay, little concern, give him a treatment, boom. I go downstairs, I feel like I fell asleep for 10 seconds. I wake up to another phone call, my mother lost five in the morning. I go back over to London's room and now he's like throwing up, he's feeling shitty as fuck. I'm like, fuck man, all right, we're gonna get this when we're good. His sat level drops down to like 91. And 91, you should start thinking about calling the paramedics and going to the ER. So bottom line is it got to like, you know, throughout the day, I'm like, fuck this, London and Kyra are sick. All right, cool. I take Lent Rider to school, not tripping. And I'm like, let me just figure this out. I get back, you know, finish dropping them off like around 7.50. I get back to the house. London is still throwing up two, three hours throwing up. And I'm like, look, we're going to get you. Don't worry about it. We're going to get you right. It's all good. Doesn't eat breakfast. Didn't really eat much dinner. Start backtracking and thinking of what the fuck could have happened. And the best explanation for this is he had ice cream at Baskin Robbins on Sunday. 
And when he had ice cream, he got his favorite chocolate fudge brownie. And when he got chocolate fudge brownie, I guess one of my family members didn't forgot to tell the guy, hey, listen, he has a severe peanut allergy. And at that point, they would either bring out a fresh scoop, a sanitized scoop, you know, or a clean scoop, not, not just one they put in the water, boom, and whatever. So there was cross-contamination probably from either peanut butter, chocolate, or praline, some, some sort of tree nut, peanut that was in a scoop before his, and then he ate it. And from there, we just all went downhill. Bottom line is his saturation level drops to 87. His nice Cabo tan turned pale. He was as fucking pale as you can get. It was fucking crazy. So rush him to the ER. The doctor's like, hey, listen, we can't even admit him here. We got to take him to fucking, you know, to intensive care. And I was like, no, 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 chill. He's going to be fine. Trust me. He goes, no, listen, his vitals, I'm like, fuck his vitals. I had to carry him in, by the way, because he couldn't even walk, right? He's 10. I had to carry him in, fought with the doctor, told her exactly what was going to happen. I was like, look, okay, he needs an IV. He has not had any food in over like 13, 14 hours. He's been throwing up all morning, all night, and he has nothing in his stomach. He has nothing left to throw up. I can't give him fucking Zofran anymore. It's not even working. He's throwing that up. So I need an IV. And in that IV, I need you to put some nutrients and everything, whatever, and hopefully he pees. And if he doesn't, then we give him a second bag of an IV. But what I need you to do is, because I know my son and we've had this, I've been through this a million times, but we haven't had an incident in a couple years because we've been really good about it with, you know, cross-contamination, making sure certain things, whatever. So it must have been like some real fucking deep peanut butter in this shit. Couldn't taste it because, you know, it could be, you know, hidden. And I said, you're going to put Zofran in his IV and then um, we're going to give him a breathing treatment right now. And then after that, we're going to see where he's at. And then I'm going to give him an order. I'm going to give him a shot of prednisone because you don't have prednisone here, right? And they were like, we have prednisone. And I was like, "Um, all right, well, the doctor laughs. I'm like, what the fuck is so funny? And she's like, well, everything you exactly said to the T is exactly what we do to resuscitate him. You know what I mean? Get him back. Because he's lethargic. He's like literally, he's, he can't, he can't breathe at all. Right? His oxygen is like, that. that's for most people, that's like that's like death level. He's he's managed to fucking, you know, to survive off very low oxygen. Start fucking with your brain. So go through the treatment, you know, get him his IV, get him his second IV, get him his Zofran, which is supposed to stop from nausea and everything else because prednisone is a steroid and it can make you really nauseous. I go get some Jolly Ranchers, Blue Raspberry is his favorite. And I'm like, look, we're gonna give this prednisone, boom, he's already in a bad mood, whatever. Give him that. After the first dose, after the first bag of IV, his saturation jumps back up to 94. After six, seven hours, we're discharged. He starts looking a little more color in his skin, get home give him another breathing treatment. And then he's asking for food. He gets some picadillo. You know, my mother-in-law makes this bomb ass uh, Filipino dish, eats that, almost eats another half bowl. And then before he goes to bed, I give him another shot of prednisone, another breathing treatment, boom. He's back good, 96. And I asked him, I said, London, look, you could talk to me now. That's why I love that we can communicate. Because when he was going through this, he really knew how to speak before. So it was like, and he had delayed speech. There was all kinds of shit going on because he was so sick all the time. And I was like, London, 10 is death. One is, you're in the best mood, everything is great, your birthday. How do you feel? And he was like, oh, I'm a six, I'm a six, I'm a six. When he said nine, when I said 10 is death, I'm like, damn. You know, I wish he would have said seven or eight, and I would have took him to the ER right then and there, but we got it, it's all good. Last night before he went to bed, he's still asleep right now. Last night I went to bed, he went to bed 
saying he was um, a three. So at a two or three, he's going to school. So he's going to school, you know what I mean? Fuck that. I didn't mean to fight the doctor. We got, you know, on a plane level, she was concerned about someone's blood test. I explained why they were that way. And then she's like, God damn, you know way too much about this shit. And I was like, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, the only thing I'm thinking about while he's going through all this shit, I was like, I wish I could just fucking pay for him to get better. I wish there was something I could do to cure this. And then we found a place, like I said, it's 18 months to 20 month waiting list. And now it's even longer that has 100% success rate of removing peanut allergies and all that respiratory shit and any kind of crazy severe allergy. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, like, it just, you can't pay to get it better. This is just life is what it is. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, right, with, with other things, but it's just what it is. So, you know, meanwhile, I'm like, okay, I wish I could pay to get it better, but you know what? Thank God I have health care. And our plan, so we could go fucking anywhere we want to. And I know there's some really good unions, some really good health insurance plans. I think SAG has one of the best. I'm not with SAG anymore, as far as SAG after an actor's union. Um, there's some really good union ones. But I'm talking about when I say good, I mean, you go anywhere the fuck you want, right? That's fucking $2,800 a month. That's rent in a lot of places for a two-bedroom apartment. You know what I'm saying? That's our health care. And meanwhile, while health care is expensive, I don't complain about it. It's just said that here to get, put you guys, give you some perspective, right? And, you know, I don't complain about gas prices either. I just don't tell you, oh, it's high here. But I, I don't, though, because, you know, I got it. And for those of you who can't relate to what I'm saying, you know, it's simple. Go through the process. Go through the pain. Go through the struggle. Work harder or work smarter. Whatever you got to do to get where you need to, you know, to, to where this ain't a problem anymore and do it without stealing or cheating, right? It sucks. Inflation sucks. Healthcare sucks, right? All that shit. But my life is so fucking good. I try to focus on the good. You know what I mean? Not the bad. Like I'm blessed. The fuck I'm gonna be mad about, right? Anyways, was supposed to have Amelia Hartford on the show um, this week, and then we were gonna have it air next week. But London got sick as fuck, and everything got canceled. I was supposed to shoot this thing for um, my James Oro collab. I have these fucking two pairs of amazing glasses. Like everyone always out, hey, what are those sunglasses? What are those? And some specs, um, fire. The most sickest eyewear collab ever. And I had to cancel that shit too. So, you know, the fuck are you gonna do? Anyways, guys, we have two very special guests coming on the show right now. And you guys have always asked me, how do I make some money? How do I make some money? And I'm kind of don't really have the direct answer for that. Well, shit, here you go. And by the way, you're fucking welcome. Because me and Miles are about to jump shit bald head deep into this shit and i'm no cap because the way it can make it seem oh it's easy you know boom whatever and it really is now if you can get to people yeah but i mean but it's easier than you think it's not that it's foolproof but it's easier than you think and these guys literally own it and these guys will be the carlins and that would be david and patricia carlin out of arizona this shit is fucking crazy how they are literally making residual income. And guys, we're going to pay some bills, get in these commercials, and we'll be right back with David and Patricia Carlin. Yo, first time on BTB, teaching motherfuckers how to make some money. All right, be right back. BTB Army, come watch some NFL football with the captains this Sunday at Dave & Buster's in Northridge, California. They're going to be watching all of the games. 
all of the NFL games, okay? With all of the picks for you to win cake and break your bookies bankroll. You want to make some money? Come to Dave & Buster's in Northridge this Sunday. For everyone who attends this event, we are giving away a free week of Captain Picks access, running a confidence pool for all games to win up to $500. Come be a part of a winning team in person. If you can't make it, we are having our one-year birthday sale on the side. That's 30% off with promo code HBD at CaptainPicks.com. All right, y'all. Dave and Buster's Northridge. We on. What's up, BTB Army? I'm really excited to have our first ever power couple on Behind the Baller podcast. We have David and Patricia Carlin. Maybe, maybe not related to George Carlin, but they are my <laughs> guests today. <laughs> they, they are my guests today. Follow them now on Instagram at Meet the Carlins, M-E-E-T-T-H-E, Carlin, C-A-R-L-I-N-S. They're constantly dropping gems about business, money, happiness, golf, and tools just to win at life. They hold conferences and are all in on building brands, growing businesses, and creating residual income. They just had one back in May and had Rick Ross and Raekwon, the chef, one of my favorite rappers. They're speaking along other amazing minds. They're holding their annual residual retreats mastermind conference February 17th to 18th in Phoenix, Arizona. But we'll get into all of that. Um, that just scratches the surface of who they are and how they dare to be great every single day. So really excited to get into this conversation. They work hard to travel and play golf. My kind of people. Patricia, David, it is a pleasure to have you guys here on the world's most unconventional business podcast, where spitting free game is a must. Members of the Dogecoin Army, too. How are you guys today, man? What's the last time you guys played golf? Uh, we used to golf every single day until we started these other companies, and now we're getting a golf simulator in the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we don't... We've we've traveled the world golfing, and that's like our it's, it's like crack to us where we just we started six years six ago. Six years ago, and golfed everywhere in the world. We we're like this could be of. boring, and it obviously is anything but it. And now it's just <laughs> I the reason why we probably love it is it takes you to places in the world that you would never even go to. I haven't started my golf like tourney as far as like my journey. I'm sorry, like I play a lot in California, and uh, I picked up a tailor made sponsor kind of early, and um, it was like. <laughs> You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, I've already dropped the club. I have my signature clubs coming out periodically. I have a couple more drops, and I have one more drop this year with my got the tailor-made clubs, uh, the ball divot tool, and um, uh, ball markers and stuff. And then I have my second putter, my first driver coming out, wedge kit, a couple of different things coming out with tailor-made. Really excited. That's awesome. Where are you guys based out of? So in the Phoenix area, Phoenix, Arizona, we were in Scottsdale. Now we're uh, in the Phoenix area. I'm not giving my address out there. Anybody, <laughs> I'll give it to you, but anyone else, sorry, but the Phoenix area, uh, Phoenix and, and Philly as well. So Pennsylvania and Arizona, we live. Okay. Well, what's your social security number? I'm joking. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into who you guys are, can you please tell me and, the, and my listeners, who are you before you guys found each other? I don't know. I've, I've always been... Since I was a little girl, I've always been an entrepreneur. I didn't play with dolls. I didn't play with anything. My mom used to say I used to 
take her. And I have a very, very strong role model as in my mother. So whenever she would see, like she'd be dressing up, I'd be watching her with her briefcase. So I was doing business meetings since I was five years old, like whenever I would do it. Um, I always knew I wanted to be in business, always knew I wanted to be not necessarily in corporate America, but I always knew that I, I guess I wanted to make money. <laughs> so I started, I actually started with one of the first companies to ever do credit card processing online when I was 18 years old. And I've been doing that ever since. So I've always been in payments. Um, and I, I mean, maybe not, a, I don't want to say I'm a working stiff, but I was just before Dave, I was really, really, really about business, growing companies and entrepreneurship. Obviously, I had a group of friends, but I was always kind of that level-headed person. And then Dave stumbled into my life and and infused it with fun yeah, <laughs> and business. Quick story, quick story. One is, uh, it's been a hustler since I was young. Not, And there's not a bad connotation to being a hustler, right? So it could be a good thing. And When I was a kid, when I saw 20 or 30 guys across the street or 20 or 30 guys in some type of business, I never looked at how can I sell like them or how can I make money like them? That was never my thought. It still isn't my thought to this day. My thought was always, where are they getting their products or their source or whatever? Where are they getting stuff from so I can find out to get something cheaper for them to be the person above them? I never wanted to be like everybody else. And that's always kind of instilled it with me where I entertainment company, different companies, bike company, et cetera, and now full-time in credit payments. payments, credit card processing. Patricia, did you go to college? No, so I did, I went to college for three months. Um, and, and really the problem is it's really bizarre. Like when Dave and I met, um, his parents actually said, they said, it's so weird that you guys are almost like twins. Like we're, I was always very ADHD. Obviously it was undiagnosed at the time, but very ADHD. I could not sit in school. And that was really you know, that was my problem. Even in high school, I did really, really. And I hate using that same story because everyone always has the same story, but mine is true. Um, if my teachers, like I had deals with some of my teachers where I only had to go there for tests. And if I got A's on tests, they didn't make me sit in class. Even if I was able to sit outside the classroom, I was happy. And then the same kind of thing when, when I went to college, it was like, I'm listening to people talk about things that I just knew was not going to be something. They don't teach entrepreneurship. They don't teach about making money. They don't teach about anything. So for me, I just, I had absolutely no interest in it and left it. And he was the same exact way a few months of college. I mean, where'd you guys go to school? Florida. St. Joe's University. Okay. Well, shit, I'm the exact same way. ADHD, you name it. And I'm struggled and I only finished because I had to, because uh, I grew up in a, in a Korean household where that's just it. There's black and white. There's no gray. There's no pink. There's no, it's just, it was really crazy. Um, how did you guys meet? How did you two meet? Was it like, you know? Love at first sight. Uh, how long ago was this? Let, let me give the story because this will be way longer. Um, <laughs> His is a boring cliff note, but go ahead. I owned a bike company at that time. We sold online, uh, offline, online. And it was actually you would appreciate it. Um, we used to have like guys, it was kind of like pimp my ride for bikes. And like you could come in, you could take a picture of something. We'd have it on your bike. You get wooden fenders. I'd had artists that could paint anything on the bikes. You could have videos playing in your wheels. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, and we did everything else online and offline. And she walked in the store and I happened to be in the store. I was like, I got this, guys. You know, <laughs> like, Dave, you never lifted a, a tool in your life, right? Like, what are you doing? So met her um, from that day forward. Her bike pedal fell off. She came back. I was still there. Took her to dinner. Uh, I rode horses at the time. I went, took her jumping that day. took me jumping the next day. Um, and, and then literally got married the same year, moved in. Like, we're both the same type of person. We're good or bad. We don't really think about stuff. We just do it. And whatever we feel, we don't, like, like contemplate. So we just... Literally moved in three. Two week, well, two no, weeks no, later. we moved 
We moved in. And just, like and just to tell you this, I had gotten out of a really awful seven-year relationship and I moved, you know who you are. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I ended up, but because I was already a business person, I had been traveling. It was harder to leave him than it was to stay. It was harder to, it, yeah, it was harder to leave. Because, Watch your words. I know. I was, <laughs> I was, I, 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 I was traveling and doing everything, and then um, I ended up getting when, when that relationship, when I left that relationship, I bought or I, I rented the penthouse on the beach. I'm like, I'm gonna live my life. My brother moved in. I'm like, it's gonna be brother and sister. We're gonna travel was, the world, and then. Like yeah. The penthouse on the beach. Well, yeah, I did rent the penthouse. It was because I wasn't allowed to with him, even though I was making money. It was my money, but it was like, um, and then I had a contract to go to Spain. And all of a sudden, like he said, I, I, I'm like, I'm going to buy a beach cruiser and I'm going to ride down the beach. And then I got a flat tire, walked in his shop. Like he said, That's he it. pumped my tire. And then all of a sudden I ride two miles later, my bike pedal falls off. I come back to his shop. And, and a funny thing is that my brother who hated my ex was with me. And I said, I said, Eric, come, come uh, with me to pick up my bicycle. And my brother goes, stop to me, goes, stop putting your kitty cat pheromones all over this bike shop. Let's go. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm like, he goes, stop looking at that guy. I'm like, I'm not. And then that was it. We literally moved in. We spent every day together, moved in about two and a half weeks later. And then he proposed a month after that. And we got married. Dude, you know, what's crazy is that when it's right, it's just right. I've don't think I had longer than a three-year relationship in my adult life and when i met my wife it was pretty quick it was i mean we got we got engaged within a year we were pregnant and married about two years later so yeah it, it's pretty quick and we're 13 years later it's it's when you know it's right it's right you know and it's kind of like i was definitely looking forward to a girl leaving i was like damn man how do i tell this girl to leave like right now this is crazy and it wasn't like that so this that's cool. There's a lot of similarities. Shit, we may be three-way twins, right? Like uh, maybe we are. Nuts. Maybe we're all. We're yeah. We're we're twins. It could happen. It could be triple. And then we we haven't even met your wife yet, so it could be like a quadruple. <laughs> no, no, <thing>. she's totally <laughs> no. different. She's the <laughs> polar opposite of me. She's calm. And so, what was the moment that both you guys decided that you're going to become business partners? Got married. All right, let's build companies together. Yeah. And there wasn't really. It was well. Here's what happened: is I had my bike company, and I'm listening to Pat on the phone. And at first, she's taking calls at 2 or 3 a.m., right? Because her clients were all over the world. And she's like, I'm making money. I'm like, no one makes money at 2 a.m. You know what I mean? Like, something, something's up. What are you doing? And come to find out about credit card processing, right? You know, we are stores online and offline. We accept credit cards. Never really thought about it. I have all this overhead. I got all these employees. Your biggest day resets. You know it from the jewelry business. Like, you do a million dollars in a day. It doesn't matter. So what's happening the next day, right? And I was like, I'm managing all this and every single day resets. And you're telling me that you set up your client's credit card processing online and offline. And then every single sale, you're making a percentage also on their sales. So you're like a silent partner that took zero yes. risk and you could do it from your cell phone. Literally sold my business pretty much the next day. And I was like, uh, we're getting married. And by the way, I'm also your new partner. I, re I think we were married. We yeah, were we were married by then. I, said, I didn't marry you because of the residual. No, but, but you married me because of residuals. But no. Uh, she never loved diamonds before me. And now she loves diamonds. I never. I actually never even owned a diamond before I met Dave. And he's a diamond aficionado. And now I'm gripped in diamonds, even when I don't want to be. So. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, you know, being business partners with your significant other, I've talked about it for a decade with my wife. Hey, why don't we do a bit? Why don't we do something? And obviously it wouldn't be maybe the best time to do a brick and mortar business, but she owned a bikini business before and everything. And it just, being a part, you know, being a business partner with your significant other, it's just not, it really isn't for everyone, right? So like, what are the pros and cons that you guys have found being married and, and being business partners? 
So it's funny, like now that you're into golf, what's the one thing that, and when Dave and I golf, we golf together all the time, right? So one, it's, it's the same kind of like regurgitated stuff. I think that we're all programmed to hear throughout our whole lives. Like, oh, I can never work with my spouse. I can never work with my wife or, or whatever it is. And even when we're golfing together, you know, people will golf with us and say, God, I wish my wife would come out here. It's great how you two play. And I'm like, see, it's totally different. People just think that they can't do it because they've heard this over their life, like constantly, like, oh, you know, happy wife, happy life. No, it's like, and those things we've kind of tried to break away from all that stuff because while we're both absolute insane maniacs, it doesn't mean that we get along every single day. It doesn't mean that there's not literally hurricanes in our house on a daily basis that we want to murder each other. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, but because you're business partners, you have to immediately squash it because you have business to do. So it's a really working together. It's I passionate. think, yeah, it's passion, but I think that most everybody actually can work together when you refine the way of like honing in on who has what skills. And I think where the problem comes in, where people go, oh, I can never work with my spouse is because you think you're too similar. You don't want this person butting into something else. It's kind of like having kids, right? If someone's great at the diapers and you have someone else going, let me do the diaper, let me do the diaper, let me do the diaper. That's the same way it is in business. So you have to, I think that working together has been the greatest thing ever for our, mm -hmm. our marriage, for ourselves, for our business and everything else. But you do have to really, really, really refine who is going to do what and who's going to, and, and you have to stay in your But life. we're also the same type of person. Too. Right. So it would be yeah. hard if you had somebody who's like, a oh, yeah, that right. takes a while to make a decision versus someone who's like, I don't know, try it. Like, you know, like, so. <laughs> that is true though. That, you, you do have to have a similar, and maybe, but maybe that's the person that manages the books bet, and stuff, our, right? Like we just said, we bet on ourselves. Right. We bet on, you know, that's it. That's actually amazing. I mean, even like, I know it's terrible. People are starting to get really annoyed when I compare things to golf. And it's like, even like when you play either a four-way or a couple scramble, and you know, um, I've played very few of those, but you start to realize, all right, well, I just saw his line. Now I know I'm gonna make this shot. And people don't understand that sometimes, and some people don't get how that can really correlate to business. You know, you got somebody who sat there and be like, okay, I just saw his line. Whether that be any decision in business making or with jewelry, whatever it may be, I'd be like, all right, they fucked up there, and I'm not going now that way. It went left to right. It actually went right to left. You know, it, it's cool. What would you say are your top three main business focuses today? Top three right now um, is residual payments, which is a platform where we teach people how to do what we do, which is unintentional. We're not coaches or gurus or any we're exact opposite, but it just came out of everyone asked, like I asked Patricia, what do you do? They kept asking us, what do you do? And that's the only reason we built that. So residual payments is our, our flagship, our engine. Uh, we have a, a, a platform where you can do everything like a CRM, you sell your products online, build your websites, do your booking. That's called Sense. Uh, we wrote the whole entire code for that. And then we have a brand new payments company launching that we're going to be mostly focused on, which is called Deposit. And that's the new flagship uh, payments company. So residual payments, Sense and Deposit are our three companies that we're primarily focusing on. Right now. Nice. What does CRM stand for? Um, so it's just, you know, your client with managing your clients, right? So where you can send your text, your emails, your calls, like everything, run your whole entire company. Okay. Okay. So like last night I did a deep dive into your Instagram, you know, went in there and, uh, I'm a big fan of the positivity, the boldness, you know, the way you guys put yourself out there, you and your methods every day, day after day. But could you walk me through how you went from a page that was all about bicycles 
to what it is and where you are today? Just, I think we, it took a while um, for us to really, you know, before we built residual payments, literally we golfed every single day and just lived our lives and traveled the world. That's all, like, I'm, I swear to God, like, it's all we but did. did pay, we had a, we did pay, remember, we, we had a huge we had payments company. We had payments companies, yeah. but we didn't have to be that big online. <laughs> and, you know, everyone online is always looking for the next big thing to, to get go viral or this. That's why you always see increase your like the, the different things. And I got caught up in that a lot. And I'll be honest, in the beginning, we used to do all those celebrity campaigns. We got the followers. I wish I never did it. It was horrible, right? And we're trying to keep dumbing down. Like we went from 400,000 followers. I wish I could go down to the 75,000 people that really follow us. I, you know, and I really say that who cares about having a million followers if no one follows you, right? And so for us, it was also putting out content and looking at hashtags, all these things. We got so caught up in doing things we just didn't care about that now we put out what we like and we post it and we don't care. So I win or you win when we post something that we like posting. And then if other people like it, we won twice. So we, I don't even get involved in it. I just enjoy putting content out there because the thing that we get all the time, and the reason why we love podcasts as well, is I get so many people that I've never seen like something, never comment. Maybe never, I can't see what they're viewing, but a year later, they'll be like, hey, Dave, hey, Pat, been following you guys for a year, yeah. love your content, looking to join forces with. So you just never know. You may not be getting the engagement you're looking for, but you never know the eyes that you're having on what you're putting out. Yeah, and and just to kind of add to what he said is like, so payments in general is boring. It's like watching paint dry, right? It's not really, it's not, if you go to any of the other payments companies, it's not exciting. It's not different. And something that I think that we've both been gifted with is innovation. We're innovators, right? We're, we constantly, like our house is a human think tank. I'm running around. He's running around. Hey, Dave, what do you think about doing this? What do you think about doing this? He comes to me and what happens is we said, all right, payments is payments, right? You're swiping credit cards. Yeah, it's a great, you make money from it. Everybody makes money from a percentage of the transaction if they're the person like us. So we said, how do we become the most followed people in payments, Right. And that's when you're looking at our content on our pages, there's always, and even podcasts, everything else, there's always a method behind it. Because if you're following us and getting to know us as people, then that means it's an easy conversation to say to you, say, hey, by the way, do you want to start making money on your business? Do you want to refer your friends and all of a sudden start making residual income? And now that becomes a more interesting conversation because you know we're not just paper pushers behind a desk that, oh, payments, credit card swiping, like who cares? Um, so I think that was really. I think our podcast, everything that we're doing with our socials and everything like that is all the driving force behind how big residual payments is getting and how big all of our platforms are getting. Agreed. Uh, BTB Army, let me just like kind of slightly reiterate uh, what David said was really important. When I got on Instagram, I didn't know what the future would hold. I had already been a jeweler for many years. And what he's saying is I came into the game like, look, I'm going to be the most followed jeweler on here. And for a very long time, I was until they started doing buy followers and buy engagement, buy whatever. You, you could try to cheat the algorithm, but Facebook's too smart. And now they're so smart that they fucked the entire algorithm up. So you got people who have six to 10 million followers who don't get the same engagement as maybe I might at 1.4, 1.5, and now almost at 2 million. I was at 2 million as the cusp and then you lose followers. You know, you know, I don't really care about that anymore. Really at the end of the day, I think that people bank off the fact that they know there's a key thing that people follow me for. Um, at first, I think it was for cars, for jewelry, of course, maybe a little bit of sports. 
And then, you know, once I became a father and a husband, I think that's a very big part of my following. And as top of that, being an Asian American man. But now that I've pivoted into golf and other brand, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and everything, you know, I'm not force feeding anybody to pay attention to my golf journey. This is what the fuck I'm doing. So either you follow me, you like it, cool. If you don't, hey man, I don't know what to say to you. You know what I mean? I'm not begging anybody to stay on the page, but uh, I do agree. You know, I rather have the core focus audience, but at the same time, I'm sure your focus audience is still there. It's just, it's weird when you look at someone's promoting a birthday party three, four days, you know, and like, hey, you're having this party, come by. And they see it the day after the party. You're like, oh shit, I didn't even know about it. It's just, what a fucking, I hate the, the algorithm now. What was the moment that changed your guys' lives forever? Building residual payments, it took away our life. We can't talk about it legally, but there was a, there was something that happened a few years back where we literally got the rug pulled out from under us. Um, yeah. And it forced, you know, whatever we had a, we had to immediately pivot and look at each other and say, holy shit, this just happened. And now what are we going to do? And within, I mean, we literally within a day, you know, we're able to say, all right, this is a new direction. Like, it was such a big moment of recalibration where I think that the skills we had from, you know, being kids and going through things and stuff like that, we have an incredible art of, of being able to recalibrate no matter what's thrown at us. And really what it did was, you know, looking back on it, something that was so, so, so unbelievably bad turned into now this path that's incredible of where we want to be in business and everything. So I think, you know, without, we can't get into it, but, um, it was life-changing. It was big, it was drastic. And now here we are today and and we're bigger than ever and and happier than ever because we're controlling our destiny. Yeah. I think it's been, you know, what's really been interesting is seeing how mentally tough we are. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the biggest thing people don't talk about in business is like, become like, how, how much can you go on a daily basis? Good. It's a roller coaster. And the interesting thing we've we've been able to do is we knew payments. You know, we made a lot of money in payments, but building this training platform, building these tech companies, and not knowing code and not knowing how to do that, and then going to build the world's largest training platform for people teaching people how to make residual income off of credit cards, and then building these other tech companies, these SaaS companies that we've never done before, um, was the most you know interesting thing to see. That man, I've never been involved in this industry before. But we just became the biggest in the world at this. Hey, we never did this, but we we made this a success. So actually seeing different things that we've never been involved in, how mentally tough that we could actually, you know, not only build or get involved in a new industry that we've never been involved in before, but also excel in it. It's been kind of and together, kind of, you yeah, know, together. like like to being able to do something without killing each other, you know, like going through, really going through the hardest times. She's of Spanish our, too. So she, yeah, so I'll tell them. <laughs> Span- yeah, it's, it's a uh, business in general tests every grain of your fiber of what you have inside um, to see how far you could go. And there's so many times where you're like, I'm done. Like I'm so we've made it. We don't have to keep on making it. You know, we've already made it. And then I think when you're just, you have a hunger in you that you don't want to stop, it's just, it's a fire. You don't put it out and you just have to keep on going. So I think that's the biggest thing. I just talked about that in my last episode, my most recent one. I was like, look, man, Kobe was like, we're up 3-1. He's already had like three, four rings. He's like, the work's, the job's not done yet. Need to get a ring. And then after that, he's like, fuck this. We need to get another ring. You know, it's, 
And, you know, uh, I want you guys to all understand what they're really saying is understand I've had some fuck a curveball. I've had the tsunami hit me. You know what I mean? You have, you know, an insert situation, legal situation. And then I had the one where it wasn't a legal situation where we were robbed and things like that. And, you know, you have that adversity and those obstacles. If you can't overcome them, you know, I've had a situation with my wife and we were dating and she had like a venue kind of canceled. Like she didn't know what to do. And she was like ready to break down. I'm like, babe, listen, we're going to be all right. Like you got to stay focused. And, you know, you just have to trust the plan and, and trust the process. And if it fucks it up, okay, that, that's a defining moment right there. It truly is. So that's great to hear. Now, my listeners, they asked me about a lot of stuff. And I mentioned it in my last show. And like everyone wants residual income, okay? But you both have made it your life's calling. Right. So how do I get my BTB army, my listeners to lock in and be at the same level as you guys? It's, it's really simple. So, you know, we also had reservations when we built residual payments, right? Because, you know, the stigma of everyone online thinking, oh, so you're going to teach me something. You know, what is this? Right. And we've had stellar careers in payments, so we didn't want to tarnish that. So essentially, let's just let's just break it down as simple as possible. If you're a business owner listening to this, you can be your first client and make residual income off of your own business on credit card processing. We'll touch on that in a second. If you're not a business owner, but you're like, I get my haircut here. I shop online here. I, I know people. I want to make residual income. Essentially, when you come through our program, you can pay a dollar and you can do it yourself. Just like no one helped us. You can pay a dollar, learn it and go on your own and create your own company. Or um, it's obviously not a dollar. You can pay us to, to work with us for a year in our team and we'll handle everything for you. So essentially, You've been around this business your whole entire life. You own a credit card, right? You shop online or offline, so you understand how that works. You just didn't know that there's a middle person or middle company that makes a percentage off of every sale. So let's say, for example, you're using Stripe or PayPal. Let's say you're paying 2.9 and 30 cents, what have you. Let's say for, for any type of business. The real cost may be two. I don't know, but it might be an example. It might be 2%. So there might be 0.9 or above percent that's just floating that they're making. Now we show you on how you can either free your own company or set up other people's companies where you'll make that middle percentage markup. And the greatest thing about it, it's mine too, but it's originally yours, but it's mine too because I'm married to her. 16 years ago, she had a conversation with a gentleman and a couple. They went on to be a massive company. And this is just one example. 16 years later, we're still getting paid off of every credit card transaction every single month, 16 years 16 later. years later. And you're like, he says, it's we, we are getting paid, which is true. I'm getting now. paid too. But you bet your ass. <laughs> I so, need a job, man. I'm going to start fucking <laughs> shit. He's like, I know some people. <laughs> I'm going to join. It, you get it for free. It, you get it, it for free. It's literally, there's no science behind it. Like there's no fluff to it. The reality is there's always somebody making a piece. Your person, whoever handles the, he'll hate me for this or she. Whoever's handling your credit card processing right now, it's money. they're making residual income every single month off of your business. It's a fact. Every time you swipe a card in your store, card. somebody is, is making that. That's a fact. And we say, why don't you make that person be you, be a family member? So, you know, going you're back good, to yeah. making your kids. So going back to, like you said, we had Rick Ross at our retreat, right? One of the things, because we were using it as an example for people that were there, we said Rick Ross owns, I think, 32 or 36 wing stops, right? For his son's 16th birthday, he bought his son a Wingstop because he wanted him to learn about business and everything. So we said, why don't you start Maybach payments 
we'll do all the work for you. Immediately switch over your 36 wing stops and you're going to start making money, kick out that other person to the curb. And now your son has a payments company, or your children have a payments company. So those are the kind of things that people, it's one of those industries nobody speaks about because obviously everyone wants to keep it under wraps. But for us, we have a back end with our payments company. So we want to teach people this. We want people to partner. We want, we have a we have a real driving interest in partnering with people who have access to business owners and making them make residuals because we're going to be making residuals. We're not doing it for free. And we're not. And I think a, a big difference is, is that a lot of coaches that are out there, the funny question I always ask is, what are you coaching them in? And they're coaching them on coaching stuff. We're actually living and breathing the same exact thing. It's like a a personal trainer, you know, the, who's the guy that trains like Brad Pitt and all those guys for the movies and stuff. There's a difference to get trained by him or going to your gym and trying to lift weights yourself. And that's what that's what we become for people in payments and business. Yeah. And pretty much, guys, you know, like when you're buying Postmates and your meal comes out to like $32 and then you're like, all right, okay, $3 for a delivery fee. Okay, there's a processing fee, this and that. I'm pretty sure that they're fucking making you guys pay their fucking credit card processing they fee, are. which is, you know they what I'm saying? Charging. So guys understand that because I've owned a retail store for 17 plus years now. And the credit card processing is a big deal. I've dealt with it, but they're pros at it. And that's a discussion I'm going to have later with them offline. But uh, yeah, that's crazy. The internet is such a blessing. And at the same time, it's such a curse, right? Like these days. And uh, it's come such a long way for businesses. How do you make it work for you? And where do you see the internet going in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, um, I see, you know, there's already technology out there that we're, that we're partnered in, but I see... Um, well, there's always one technology where you can search videos now and it can instantly get you to a section of a video kind of like via Alexa, where you can say, hey, Alexa, show me in that video where they talk about X, Y, and Z and boom, it'll, it'll take you that clip. Um, voice activated is where I really see it going, you know, where you could say a word and boom, all the information you need is going to instantly come up. Um, you know, it is a gift and a curse that, you know, us we just love working, right? And we love God with everything else, but we're every day I wake up and when I go to sleep, seven days a week, we work. There's no days off here, okay? So it is great having that, not having to go to an office and do everything, but the reach of the internet, and if you're not doing any sort of social media or making your presence online, you're just gonna be a dying breed, right? And you know, we have this one tech company we're we'll building to try to help the brick and mortar businesses coming back, but putting yourself out there more online, regardless if you don't like it or you do like it. I, I think that people think that they have to have a fancy car or a fancy wall, your wall's better than ours, but a fancy wall behind them or a fancy camera and everyone owns a cell phone. And it's just, it's just the mental toughness is, are you afraid of what people you think are gonna think about you or say about you that's gonna stop you from putting yourself out there online? Most people, it's them stopping them, not other people. It's you stopping yourself from what you think people could potentially think or could potentially say about you putting yourself out there. So I think for most people, they have to, whatever they're passionate about, like you said, your golf journey, they have to, whatever medium it is they want to use to get their message out there, they have to. And if they can get on podcasts like this or anything else, they need to, because something like this is what's going to live on for a very long time. And you'll be able to repurpose it and retarget people and then make extra money in your business. And then I'll geek, I'll be a nerd for a compliance nerd for a second and answer the same question if you, <laughs> of what I think the internet will be. 
I think that everything, like just like with clothing and fashion, everything that's old comes sure. back again, right? And we're in a cycle, and I'm talking about on the the payments and offer side, right? Because your listeners are getting hit up every single day with new offers. Become a crypto trader, become this trader, um, join this program, join this program. Right now, there is, it's like, it's turning into the wild, wild west again on the payment side, but also on the program and offer side. And you have the FTC out there. You have the F, all of them looking at things. Oh, uh, CBD, do this, CB, uh, Kratom, all this stuff, right? And Real estate. Yeah. Real estate, getting real estate course, become a real estate millionaire. One hour day. Right. One hour work days. And, you know, I've had the luxury for longer than Dave, but the same thing, because I've been on the compliance side of the business is that I've seen every, you can't show me an offer that hasn't already been done 15 years ago in payments. And what's happening is, you know, I think that people, your listeners have to be really, really aware that a lot of the stuff that they're seeing you have to dig in. You have to really look into the company. You have to see, is this something, if you're a person who's never traded crypto, don't go join a $10,000 cryptocurrency course and start trading and giving wallets to people. Like there has to be more, I think, internal compliance for people to be able to vet programs internally because they're spending a lot of money out there for absolute garbage. Yo, that was absolutely fucking amazing insight. And I think people need to understand that um, I understand a lot of it, but I'm also a self-taught entrepreneur, right? It's picking up pieces here and there. I don't like to get a lot of information because you have to unlearn some shit, right? When you make mistakes and things. So that, that was, wow, man. And especially guys, they're talking about what I was saying before. Don't be a fucking dinosaur, right? There's no recreation of a dinosaur, but anything after that, right? Evolution-wise, it really comes full circle. And, and you got to be careful, man. It's amazing. Was it about... And what is it to you like about the, helping other people that you find most rewarding? Why did you guys start putting on these conferences? So I actually was extremely, again, I was extremely nervous about starting because I'm like, you know what? There's, I don't know if people can know. It's It's been in my brain for all these years. I, I'm good at it because I've done it and I know it. And same with Dave. And I'm like, I don't want us to take advantage of people. That's really important that, you know, I don't want somebody doing it. And then one day, the reality is looking at what we do, this, everybody can do it, right? So it's, this is not something where somebody isn't capable. There's nobody that's not capable of knowing a business and having them switch and make money, right? But it was a matter of the compliance perspective and saying, can everybody really do it? So when we, we even had a lot of reservations, even after the launch of our company, where people were coming through there and I was like, no, Dave, I don't want him to sign up. He's not going to, and literally we were the worst business people ever on that. I'm like, no, no. I feel he, bad them paying. I feel bad them paying. Don't, don't Brenner's tell been running a nonprofit yeah, for two we, years. Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, tell him not to do it. Tell him not to do it. But here's where, and this is why you do have to really look at things from a, a high level because, and not judge books by their cover, right? And this is a perfect example. This person came into the program. I really felt in all my heart, no shot in hell. There's no way they're going to be able to talk. It's impossible. Well, this person was a truck driver and this truck driver has driven the same route for 18 years. And we were like, I'm like, they're truck drivers are not going to, you know, they, they don't talk to people. They don't know business. They don't know this, you know, from my perspective, it was a judgment call. Right. And what I didn't realize was that that truck driver goes to the same exact motels and same exact restaurants every single time that they take the route. And they were able to have a conversation with the person, the family that runs that roadside motel that me or Dave walk in there, they would have been like, get out of here, you know, whatever. And they were, and that was kind of for me an epiphany where I went, 
Uh, it is true. Anybody really can do it because they want business and they're making residual income. And that opened up this business to everything because everybody knows somebody who has a business. And if we teach them the right way to be authentic, have integrity, go in with true value instead of trying to rip people off, um, it's a it's a winning formula. So that's what we did. And it, it's worked and it helps people. Amazing. And for a lot of you guys that message me all the time talking about your mom or aunt or grandma has like a you know small little restaurant or something, think about the money they'd be saving. You cut the middleman out. They're spitting some real fucking game right now. So you guys are constantly scaling and launching businesses of your own. And uh, for those that you believe in, what's your process like to figure out who or what to invest your money in or more importantly, your time into? We invest in ourselves the most part. I mean, we play around in different avenues and different, we're investors and our families own the improv comedy clubs, a bunch of restaurants, we're investors in those. We invest in crypto and other things and other businesses we invest in that we don't own. Uh, but we never invest what we're not willing to lose. Um, so we're never looking for, like you see so many people, man, that are, just, it's never enough. And they keep reinventing themselves because every time they're about to make it, they take everything and bet on black and then they lose and they restart again. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I honestly think you should never take more than 10% of what, what you're even worth out in any single investment, because um, nothing's a sure shot. You never know with any business out there. So, you know, with us, it's reinvesting in, you know, when you're controlling a company, right, and you're, you're the main person, you're investing in your company, you can control the outcome, right? And then you can control what's going to really happen. So if you ever are going to be investing in other things, I would say invest in things that may be a great value add to your already existing business. Now you're like, Dave, good for you. You got money. I don't. What do I do? Well, there's a lot of other people that are very talented, just like you, that maybe don't have the money, but maybe have the drive. And there's a lot of people that, let's say for you, let's say there's a person that was like you, and let's say coming up jeweler, right? And just really good at what they do. Just a great artist, but maybe doesn't know social media, maybe doesn't know support, maybe doesn't know automation, maybe doesn't know anything about business, but it's like just really good at their craft. I would say, you know, give Phantom stock, give Phantom equity, find other people that are good at social media, bring people in. You're so worried about giving away equity of your company when it's worth nothing in the beginning. And you're going to take 10 more years to build something that never may be anything. And then you may take 10 more years to make it happen. But now, 10 years later, because you never brought anybody in because you couldn't afford it, you've resented the whole entire reason why you started that company because now you lost your craft because you're doing support. You're doing things that you don't love. And the art of the reason why you started it is lost. Yeah. I mean, dude, I totally agree. 100% of fucking nothing of zero dollars is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather have 50 million and, and own 30%. You know, you, people just don't get that. And that, that's, that's a really good point, too, man. Um, if there's a listener, of my show who wants to reach out to both you guys about a concept or idea? Like what's the best way for them to get to you? Just go to meet the Carlin, send us a DM. Um, that's the one we actually manage. The rest of the stuff, if you find anywhere else on social media, it's one of our support teams. So it's not us, but meet the Carlins is us. We do control that one. So you can just message us on meet the Carlins, any ideas. We like helping a lot of people. A lot of people have reached out to us about their different business ideas. And honestly, no one gave us a leg up. Like, so everyone like, Hey man, can you invest in this? Like, no, maybe you got to earn your stripes first. You know what I'm saying? Like you getting handed, everything isn't going to help you, you know, but I'm going to connect you with the right person and stop going online where everyone goes, I want you to do this. I want this. 
do something for me first for free catch my attention <laughs> you know like straight up it's just yeah you look like an entrepreneur like you would you like to get to six figures a month would you tell me about what you do like you are messaging me for me to tell you about my business <laughs> like that, what are you talking that. about like it just everyone's getting lazy that's the problem and it used to be i always say it so used, there used to be five days across the street where there wasn't the internet and i only had a stunt on those five days god damn it dave bought a new car I got to get a better one. Now there's 5 million Daves online. And 99.9% .9 of those Daves that you think are better than you aren't. They're just better online than you. No, that's real talk, man. You know, that's just, man, bro. I feel like you guys are just listening to shit that I just said on this last episode. It's fucking absolutely crazy. Well, because we're, we're crazy. twins, right? So we're all just sharing this. Yeah, no, brain. I mean, we're connected. It's crazy. The entitlement. Like, how the fuck are you going to go out there? You're just sitting on your couch not doing shit, looking at other people's page. Oh, I could do that. That sucks. Oh, this is. All right, well, then go out there and do something. And be careful what you're watching. Because, man, a lot of it is cap, and a lot of people are really good. It's, I mean, even just on some beauty level, you know, women who are not just rich and not already have the basis and the, like, I'm talking about naturally born with beautiful attributes and still Photoshopping while having the access to have the most amazing skin care, doctors doing certain things. It's like, yo, man, not only do they have the upper hand, like, it's the, the most unfair playing field. Don't pay attention to that shit. Be a better person. For yourself. Everybody that listens and stuff, it's everybody gets, I mean, like you just said, like about the, the beauty industry, right? So he, he's been dealing with this forever with me. So I'm, yeah, I'm Spanish. I have thick hair. I don't have extensions in my hair, whatever. When I tell you, if you go into my drawer right now, I probably have what every other day he sees a different extension company. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you have so much. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Look at this person on Instagram and look at, you know, on this thing. And it, it messes with your mind, but the same way that I have a million extensions and then I stick them, I don't like anything attached to my hair. So I end up wasting money and it's stupid because I don't even like the feeling of it. And then I'll buy like eyelashes, but I don't like anything on my eyes. So I don't like that. So it's like, but the same thing with business. And I'll tell you why, because it's like a man wearing lifting his shoes. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a really unique access that most people don't have. And we see people's credit card processing statements, right? So when you're seeing these, a lot of these people you follow online who are, like you said, with the Lambos and all this kind of stuff, and you see them here, you see them there. Many of the times we're seeing the credit, we're seeing the actual bank and credit card processing statements. And I cannot tell you over 18, 20 years now where I'm looking or, you know, the, before the internet really was big like that. But even now I just got that person's merchant statement and their bank statement. And meanwhile, they have all these followers trying to pay money for them and stuff. And I'm going, they have like $5,000 left in their bank account at the end of the month of every month. They spend everything they make. And, and it's just, I think we could all get, I think we all need to take a, a step back and say like, I forget who sings that song where it's like, show me some, I forget the rapper who says, show me some stretch marks, right? Like people I think are probably getting, a bunch of rappers but no, a bunch of rappers <laughs> don't say, show me the stretch marks. It's a verse in a song, but it says, I want to see some stretch. I can't look at, I don't know, look at, whatever, but in any event, I understand the sentiment. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, and, and even going back a, a question or two ago, you know, I didn't want the defining moment when it's all said and done, God forbid I were to go out next year or whatever it may be. I must have removed a thousand car posts. And the thing about it was when I kept up was like, hey, unlike Instagram, I actually own my cars. But I rarely post them because 40 years, I love cars, maybe longer than that. Just don't care as much anymore. I do love nice cars. It just doesn't, not only does it not define me, some people are like, yo, man, you know, you got a guy whose page, his name is, you know, Ryan Lambo, Ryan Yellow Lambo. 
and he has 300 pictures of different angles of Lamborghini. Now, I don't want to hate because, you know, the guy's really proud of, of that accomplishment or whatever. Now, if that person is living at his mom's house and, you know, he's struggling, he has $5,000 in the bank, there's a problem. Now, people say, mind your business. No, I'm not going to mind my business because, you know, you're putting a false message out there. And I, I got people to need to understand, like with me, it doesn't mean shit to me. And people are like, damn, you should post your, your cinema. You should post your, your 918 more. Post this, this, and this. It's like, why? I got it. I don't need to remind anybody anymore. You know, I think at first I used to think people thought I was broke and people always, people say these crazy things, but I did get the general energy that people already assumed I had it. So it didn't, I don't need any validation from anybody. What's it about creating content and putting yourselves out there, right? As a married couple and a business couple, whatever, that appeals to you guys the most? I mean, anyone, and that's where I tell everyone is just be honest for whatever you, you like, right? Like, if you love comments and likes and that's what you live for, say it. Just be honest with yourself. Like everyone wants to fake and act like they don't care, but most people do care, right? So for putting out our social media stuff, it's um, now we've finally come to a point where we can just put out whatever we want and we don't really care, but it took a long point to get to that. But I know people would still be lying to themselves. You still like when someone says something nice or you think there's going to be a new opportunity, right? Like, are you like, Sometimes you do make posts, right? That, you know, is something nice in the background. I don't think there's anything wrong if there's something nice in the background. You're wearing something nice. As long as there isn't like a, you could be like me, click on the link. You know what I mean? Like sitting in front of a jet and it's like, you live your life like that. You don't, yeah. own. You, don't own. you know, and you know, like for me, funny car thing, like I was just fortunate enough to, I could have got it 10 years ago. I just waited. I bought the Rolls Royce calling in. Right. And I tell people, I say, I'll say it to your face. 1000%. I love when people see me in it. I just like it. I, it makes me feel good, but I can say that. You won't say that. You'll act like you don't. I do love it. If I put on a nice piece of jewelry, I like, I, that's what I like. Other people may not be for them. I love that attention. And, and I'm not mad at you. And let me kind of add to what you just said. I was reluctant when the Cullinan came out and I got one for really cheap. I paid 316K for it. It was a time when- I the car I did not spend that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the car market was down. The black badge rolls wasn't out. And let me say this for everyone listening. There was a point in time when Rolls-Royce has completely transformed their entire brand. And they dropped the Phantom for the first time in 2004. When you got in that car- you felt the majestic feeling of what was going on from everything. The ghost kind of dumped it down, but it was still very luxurious. There are some parts where I could see they kind of cut some small corners out. And I only say that because you're paying a high, high price tag for it. When the Cullinan came out at a 400K, you know, for a good spec, I want people to understand, and I say this as a real, real car enthusiast, when you drive a fucking Cullinan, you don't realize how incredibly smooth, how impeccable, how decent it may even handle a turn, and how real it could be the best car they have in their lineup right now, right? And I want you guys want you to understand that's a, it's a thing. And with me, this is just me. It's different. I felt a negative vibe come my way. And when you see the spirit of ecstasy, you know, there was a point in time, you know, like in 05 when I got my first one and then like, you know, maybe eight, nine years ago and I drive around like, yeah, cool. Now that I have kids that are going to school with other rich kids and things like that, I was kind of embarrassed to pull up in the Rolls Royce. I felt like a dick, right? And I felt like, and now, now the thing is this, you guys have a very pleasant aura and, and energy about yourselves. I'm not saying I don't. I think people that meet me are like, oh, they generally, oh, damn, that's not at all. I thought Ben was like, 
It's the other general. And I can be like, I don't give a fuck what they think. And it wasn't that. I want to kind of overly put a message out there. Like, I just felt like, damn, dog. I already have this message of me being a cocky asshole. Just me pulling up in this just is just too like, you know, I can make a mad about something else. I'm living good already. So it's kind of like, you know, so I'm not dissing you at all. I just felt like, damn. Because I think people think like, oh, Matt's overrated. Nah, man, it's actually a fucking amazing car, you know? By the way, guys, this has probably been, uh, I I never know what to expect, um, especially when it comes to somebody who has kind of like a business, a couple, power couple, things like that. No offense, I'm like, oh, fuck, man. You know, (laughs) and um, it's not cringe. It's just like, I'm like, okay, cool. Nobody has ever presented themselves as articulate as you guys have in this last almost hour and I'm so thankful that we did this show and, and I appreciate all the honesty and just how much we're aligned in so many ways, not just thought processes, but actually personalities, right? So uh, guys, you can go to www.residualpaymentsretreats.com just as it sounds. It's not spelled funny with like a, you know, an I replacing an L or whatever the fuck. I'm just making shit up. www.residualpaymentsretreats.com. You can also book a meeting with them on how to discuss uh, and set up passive residual income with digital payments. Follow them at Meet the Carlins on Instagram. Dave, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. I'm looking forward to playing golf with you guys and meeting you guys. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I'm not saying this just to say this. I had this in my mind in the first 10 minutes. I'm so not interested in so many things. I'm actually interested in in actually trying to do this uh, credit card processing myself. It's amazing. I love it. That's yeah. that's it's a bug. It's like golf. Payments is like golf. Because well, you know, yeah, you know so many people. It's an yeah. absolute no brainer for you. Exactly. Man. Awesome. We love this. Thank you so much. It's one of our favorite interviews. This thing is heavy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Holding the mic. I appreciate it. Yo, BTB Army, hold on for some commercials. Yo, Miles, throw on some music, bro. In an era where watching sports means making money from your couch, there's only one team to join: Captain Picks. Captain Picks was created to help break all bookies for beginning betters or seasoned veterans. Strategy, expertise, bankroll management. By signing up for a daily, weekly, or monthly subscription, you receive an all-access pass to curated U.S. and global sports picks that are made by professional handicapping captains 24-7. Make money around the clock. This is a community built of men and women just like you who want to win but don't have time to attack the lines alone. Celebrate the one-year anniversary of Captain Picks by using promo code HBD at checkout for 30% off any subscription at CaptainPicks.com. Captain Picks, the time to win is now. Yo, what up, y'all? We are back. I got to thank Dave and uh, Patricia. Carlin, for that free game right there, that is some big shit. Um, me and Miles, uh, when I get back, we're going to sit down with them and check them out. I don't know if we're going to go and um, head to AZ, but uh, we're going to have a call, and, and, and I really thank them for that. That's some crazy-ass shit. That sounds fucking amazing, and fuck it. I'll take an extra 50, 100K in a, a month to take care of the fucking kids' tuitions and all that shit. But uh, I'm going to tell you guys something really fucking crazy. A couple years ago, 
maybe even three years ago, I'm driving through the canyons and I'm listening to rap, Michael Rapport. You know, he's the one who got me inspired to do podcasting. And obviously Dust Brothers produced his show and he's, you know, kind of pretty much put the mic in my hand, all that. And he's talking about doing an episode that was like an hour and 20 minutes off the dome piece, boom. And you know, I don't write my show. I just kind of do notes. And his mic wasn't plugged in. And I had nightmares ever since. I triple check, quadruple check, make sure everything is good. I just recorded a very short seven, 10 minute outro because we just had a long interview and I didn't fucking press record. But there's some shit I forgot to say anyway, so I'm fucking glad. So anyways, Nicolette is back. I think I said that, but yeah, so I was supposed to go to this NBA 2K party last night and I didn't make the party because I went to LAX to go grab my wife, you know, and um, it was kind of weird, man. It was, um, I missed the NBA 2K23 launch. I'm sorry, the scanning in Las Vegas. And uh, my mom's fucking crazy because I just had to re-record the fucking whole back part of this episode. But um, I was supposed to go to Vegas to get scanned and Nicolette got COVID, so that's why I didn't go. But anyways, NBA 2K23, I guess launches today, probably whatever. I got the game. I got everything. Sent a nice little gift box. But I went to get scanned, me and Lil Yachty yesterday in downtown Los Angeles. They made an exception for us. But the party was last night. I didn't go. I don't know. But, you know, I was in the game for three years. So, you know, three. I was NBA 2K, 2K21, and 2K22. Now I'm going to be in the game for another three years. I think my role finally progresses more. I think you can use me in more things. I haven't played the game too much. But it's a fucking honor to be in NBA 2K23 or NBA 2K period, right? Shout out to my boy Ronnie 2K. But yeah, man, um, I got scanned and all that stuff and everything. And I went to go pick up Nicolette. So on the way to um, picking up Nicolette, I called my cousin. We started talking about random shit. And um, it was just kind of weird, you know? Like he was talking about taking his brother's side and there was some beef between some of his really good friends and the shit's lasted for so long whatever and the crazy part is his brother's wrong and I was like hey homie I'm gonna keep it real with you right now dog I'm gonna take my family side and I'm gonna back him all the time but you know if I love you and I fuck with you I don't care if you are family if you're not if you're not family I don't know you the only reason we're talking about this is if this is a celebrity or some sort of opinion some politician or some shit but if you're wrong you're wrong and I'm not taking your side if you're wrong. Doesn't mean I don't fuck with you anymore, depending on the severity of it. But if you're my family member and you're wrong, I can't take your side. I can defend you and teach you what to say and kind of figure out and break down the situation and tell you why you're wrong, whatever, and then tell the other person you're beefing with, all right, well, this is a situation, boom. And I don't give a fuck if I don't like them. Let's say it's somebody I don't like. I don't fuck with at all whatsoever. And they're right? Yo, they're right, period. How the fuck you all go against that? So I just trip on that sometimes. A family, so I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. I am taking my son's side. I'm taking my brother's side. Fuck all that. Fuck you mean. Your brother shot somebody. Your brother stole from somebody. Your brother lied to somebody. I'm big on that. Even though you got people, man, Ben be lying about this and that, whatever, and you pull out receipts. Oh, well, it's like, no, dog. I've been around for fucking before the internet was around. The fuck are you? Some dude the other day was like, yo, you never DJed before. I was on maybe a thousand flyers. Yes, before there was the internet, how the fuck do you think people knew about parties? Not just phone calls and shit. There was flyers. Motherfuckers were outside clubs, outside places where hot chicks were, passing out flyers. Yeah. 
I've been on a thousand plus flyers on billboards, all that as a DJ. Anyways, not taking my family side just because they're my family. If they are wrong, I'll be like, all right, listen, this is how we're going to get out of it. Like I said, but I'm not taking this side. Some of you motherfuckers are tripping. I don't want to say it because it's going to offend people. I know they listen to the show, but there are people in my family that would take my side if I said two plus two equals five and it was going to put me in jail. They'd be like, it does. Absolutely. And then everyone looks like a jackass. Like, come on, man. Anyways, pivoting to a different topic. Um, there's this meme going around and it made me think about my life. My Nicolette's gone, London's sick. I'm just sitting here. She's like trying to rest in the fucking hospital bed. And the meme has a two has two doors, a red door and a blue door next to each other. And it says, which door would you choose? The blue door, you go back in time and you fix all your mistakes. The red door, you enter it, you get $10 million in your hand as soon as you enter it. Now, the immediate response, you know, with me is like, okay, well, let me think about this. Some people, they ain't thinking about shit. Probably 95% of the people, or maybe even higher, it's like, fuck, I'm going to the red door. Now, look, I know there's no guarantees in life, but I didn't think about that. I was just thinking about, can I just go back in time? I don't necessarily need, need to fix my mistakes. I was thinking about what I do, right? There's certain shit. It ain't about a monetary thing because I don't need the 10 million, right? So if I went back in that blue door and went back in time to change some shit, that's a billion dollars right there. Now, again, there's nothing in life is guaranteed. You got to understand how powerful manifest destiny is. And I know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And with all the mistakes I made in my life, that's what made me the man who I am today. Now, it took some time, but there's things I know I could have done. And I ain't talking about sports betting. I ain't talking about creating Google. I ain't talking about none of that. I'm talking about the rest of the world goes on as it is. You change what you do or you fix certain things. What happens? Now, that's a billion dollars. Easy for me. I'm telling you right now. 150, 200 million dollars. And I know it's a big difference, from, but I'm talking about a whole different level of liquidity by the time I'm 27. So yeah, if I don't have my family, I go back in time and I don't have London Ryder and Kaya and my wife, possibly at a younger age, nah, man, I'm good. I'm chilling. Can't change that. It's impossible. But you think about that. And the reason why I was thinking about that was like, yo, I'm going to go back in time and fucking, you know, start golfing instead of playing college football and basketball. But then I thought about it. I wouldn't have been in the music business. That pivoted me to jewelry. And there's, there's so many different things. But the thing is, fuck the jewelry. I would have did something in music and I would have done a whole bunch of other shit. I would have bought a bunch of publishing. There's a bunch of things I just would have done. I would have just did it differently and I'd have passive income. I'd have been retired by the time I was fucking 35 with the family and everything. But yeah, if it changes all that, then it just, no, nah, I'm good. I'll walk to the red door. But really, I don't need to walk through either door. You know what I'm saying? It's just, just saying it was just a funny meme. And I thought about it. Now, talked about this last week. There's a, a water crisis. There's a water shortage. Um, they've banned homeowners from watering the grass. And I don't know if you know this, but in the 80s, they would fine you $500 a day once you left your grass dead in Beverly Hills. That's how beautiful grass homes were over that back then. Home prices were different. But after your first month, you'd be fined like 500 bucks a day. It was crazy. Some crazy fine. And, and I'm, I'm not off by a lot, I'm telling you. And there was a house right on the corner at Alpine and Sunset Boulevard, right when you get into the massive fucking estates on Sunset. 
And this crazy, super rich Saudi dude owned the place. I guess something happened, whatever. And they just let that shit be a dead lot for like fucking two decades. It was nuts. That property right there today is 100 M's minimum. The dirt lot, 100 M's easy. And this motherfucker was fined $500 a day. You could go ahead and do the math. You know, we'll just go ahead and we're, we're going to be... We're going to go ahead and do the math for you, okay? So 500, right? Multiply it times 30. That's $15,000 a month, okay? Now multiply it times 12. Now that's 180000 a year. Now multiply it times 20 years. That is $3.6 million. He did not give a fuck. That was shit to him. Anyways, there's a water crisis. There's a shortage. This fucking heat wave is crazy over here. There's this whole new fear monger thing. This might be more real. That fear monger shit's more fucking something that, you know, Trump people say. But they're saying, you know, when the water shortage happens, there was like this thing that came back. I forgot who the fucking other names were, but I know Kim Kardashian was on there. And they were saying the amount of water she uses is equivalent to like 300 family homes. So something ridiculous like that. Now, when I get my water bill every month, I'm fucking if I'm guilty. Look, we don't run water in the house, just let it run. But there are six people that are in this house, you know, and um, we definitely run water more than fucking all the people in this neighborhood. And I'm not the richest dude in this neighborhood. There's a fucking female lady judge who lives in my fucking community who has a Bugatti. I can have a Bugatti. I'm just saying there's people in here balling out of control. There are athletes here that make over a hundred fucking have over. I'm sorry over a $200 million contract overall with all their endorsements and everything. I'm just saying, but yeah, that's kind of crazy that they're saying that rich people are going to start hoarding water. And, um, I forgot what the stat was, but they're saying that I forgot how many millions of people right now can't pay their utility bills. Now I understand it's fucked up here and there. I have empathy. I have sympathy. It sucks. I don't have empathy, sympathy for people who aren't working. And if you are working, I don't have empathy or sympathy if you're going to buy Jordans and Off-White and Gallery Department and all this other shit and you want to go to fucking Cabo or you want to go here. Like, I want to go with, fuck that. I should be able to go too. Why should you be able to go? There goes that entitlement participation trophy bullshit again. Nah, fuck that. We ain't rocking like that. Okay? May suck. Put your priorities in order. I was broke eating motherfucking two hot dogs at AMPM, Right? For 99 cents, I made it work. Maybe it fucked up my stomach. Maybe it didn't. I don't fucking know. Anyways, guys, that was today's show. Kind of missed having a guest, but it was dope. I am fucking headed right now. Well, I'm going to take the kids to school and all that. And then I'm headed down to San Diego to the TaylorMade headquarters, playing this charity event, nine hole, little something real quick. You know what I mean? I'm going to go see all my fam at the TaylorMade HQ in, uh, in San Diego. And then tomorrow, I am playing a charity event in San Diego for the mall ball tournament. Um, this is a big mall ball tournament. This is different. It's not a scramble. It's a two-man best shot. So we are playing the whole fucking round. Now, there's some, you know, little handicaps here and there, but yo, I'm gonna fucking break out some shit. I'm fucking excited. And then I am off to Seattle. We will be live for Monday's episode, live in the 206. Uh, I'll be there for the first Monday Night Football kickoff. Russell Wilson is coming back to 
motherfucking Lumen Field, aka Century Link. I'm fucking excited. I'm excited, right? Playing a lot of golf next week and all the other shit. And don't forget, Dave and Buster's in Northridge this Sunday, September 11th. There's cash, there's prizes, there's fucking Captain Picks. It is gonna be fucking lit. Do not forget, guys, all right? Please don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. And please make it a great weekend. All right, y'all. This is your boy, Queen John Cusack, signing off. I love y'all. My man, Lakey Lake, is about to take us out of here. Peace.